Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, folks. It is a drop Dead gorgeous, wintry day, actually, in Florida, if that makes sense. Now, understand, we're up here in the Panhandle. We're in the northwest Florida area. Lower Alabama is what they call it. So it gets a little bit different. The trees turn. Once in a while in January, we'll get a sprinkle of snow. But it's this time of the year when the water's coming in off the, or the air's coming in off the gulf, when it gets a little brisk. But what's the fun part is when it gets a little chilly like this, you see the dolphins congregate. They're kind of like cats. And they jump and they play and they have fun. And the sun's out today. Just got back from breakfast with my my middle boy, JT. We had a good lunch or a good breakfast today. It was fun. And you know, this is what life's about. It's a time to reflect. A time to go back and and analyze what has my year been like. Where am I going to next year? What trade-offs am I willing to make? We're in John Maxwell's brand new book, The Fifteen Invaluable Laws of Growth. Live them. And reach your potential. And it's about potential to me. You know, you can't please everyone all the time. So you better focus on how can I make sure I'm living my full potential so I can please as many as I can. That in and of itself is, is what it takes to make this thing really happen for you. And I want everybody, as we're in this last part of the year... I want everybody to understand where we're going and what we're doing. The law of trade-offs. You have to give up to grow up. Eric Hoffer said this, People will cling to an unsatisfactory way of life rather than change in order to get something better for fear of getting something worse. People will cling to an unsatisfactory way of life rather than change in order to get something better for fear of getting something worse. That's sad, but that's the way life is. John writes this. I thought this was great. He came right out of the box hard on this one. What will it take for you to go to the next level? Vision? Sure. Hard work? Of course. Personal growth? Definitely. How about letting go of some of the things that you love and value most? Yes. And believe it or not, that's the one thing that most often holds people back, even though the, even those that have achieved a level of success. You know, and I, and I tell you what, I've seen that over and over. I mean, as sad as that might sound to people, I have watched that happen. People get a little level of success, and they stop growing. Now, when you think back, if you think back over your course of your life, when you're young and you're just starting out, it's it's not hard to give up anything because you're willing to go for whatever. You want the greatest opportunity. So you do it. You're at the rock bottom. You're just starting your career. What do you got to lose, right? See, the problem is when we start to get some things that we like, a nice car, a new house, nice clothes, then 
as you're getting getting going, all of a sudden, one of the questions we never want to ask is, are we willing to give those things up for a chance of something better, of achieving the American dream? Ask yourself that. John shares a story that I know quite well because I've I've studied this man's life. And it's interesting because this guy recognized the importance of trade-offs to becoming more successful and reaching his potential. He was the son of a poor service worker. His dad was a chauffeur. His mom worked in a in a hotel, if I remember correctly. They had to scrape together everything they had. He worked to put himself through school, earn a degree in mathematics. He began with a career working for the government, but soon transitioned into a business career, starting first with Coca-Cola, the parent his father had worked for as a driver. He was a manager, but he believed his career would be limited since he suspected he was always be seen as the driver's son and not evaluated according to his own merits. So when the opportunity came for him to take a job at Pillsbury, being at the corporate offices, he jumped on it and moved to Minnesota. His boss at Pillsbury, to whom he'd gotten to know previously at Coca-Cola, told him that they were facing a difficult challenge. And if they didn't succeed, they would be looking for new jobs. That did not intimidate him. He states, I have always been more motivated by the positive uh, possibilities of success than the fear of failure, he explains. He worked hard, set his sights on becoming a VP by the age of 40. At Pillsbury, he started as a manager. Soon he was promoted as group director, then senior director of management information systems, eventually to corporate vice president of systems, where, among other things, he oversaw the construction of Pillsbury's world Headquarters, a twin-towered 40-foot complex in downtown Minneapolis. He completed the project, listen to this, ahead of schedule and under budget. Four years before his target date of 40 at 36, he arrived. He was a vice president. He had an office with a beautiful view on the 36th floor. He had achieved his dream, gone much further than his humble beginnings might have indicated But it wasn't enough, he writes. He wrote, I'm 36 years old, and although I'd been blessed to achieve so much so fast, I knew at that moment that I had reached, I have to reach for more. So I began to imagine how exciting it would be if I actually had, I was actually the decision maker running the business. After several years as vice president of Pillbury's corporate systems, I knew that I had a dream of hire, I had a dream of being president of something for somebody, somewhere. But he knew that if he stayed on his current track, he could never be the president of Pillsbury. That was a problem. You know what he did? He went to his boss, the COO of Pillsbury. He shared with him his dilemma, and he said, I may have an idea for you. But in order to accomplish what you want to do, you're going to have to give up some things. And one of the things you're going to have to give up is your coveted vice presidency title. Because you're going to have to move to one of our other companies, Burger King. Wow, that's tough. I mean, you go from the 36th floor of the corporate towers to working at Burger King? 
He wrote, my going to Burger King would mean the loss of my hard-earned and much-coveted vice president title, a significant drop in salary, loss of stock options, the need to learn a new business from the ground up, and if I succeeded, a potentially disruptive relocation to another part of the country. In other words, it would turn his life upside down. But that's the law of the trade-offs. You know, he made that decision. This is the interesting part. He said, I can do this. I know I can be the president of something. If that means I need to switch, I will. He goes, I didn't ask myself the wrong questions. How hard will this new job be? What will my friends think if they see me making hamburgers in a fast food restaurant? What will I do if the new position does not work out as planned? He was gone. So he ended up going to Burger King University. He was the old guy. Everybody else was right out of high school, right out of college. When his training was complete, he became the fourth assistant manager, a mere 15-minute drive from the office where he had been the vice president. At Burger King in time, he moved up from associate manager to store manager to regional manager to vice president in Philadelphia. It wasn't an easy road. He faced many challenges. In retrospect, he writes, The unexpected obstacles I encountered at Burger King may have been a blessing in disguise because had I anticipated him up front, I might have lost sight of my dream. The question is, did he ever become president of anything? The answer is yes. Four years after transitioning from Pillsbury corporate offices. Now remember, he was 36 at the time. He was invited to take over a failing company that Pillsbury had had acquired as the president. And if you don't know the name of that company, let me share it. It's Godfather's Pizza, and the man I'm talking about is, is Herman Cain, who had just run for president of the United States. Herman Cain turned Godfather's around and made it a household word. Think about that. From humble beginnings in the streets of Atlanta to the president of a successful chain, and he reached the goal and more. But it took trade-offs. See, we're going to go through all kinds of intersections, what I call flashpoints. We're going to look at opportunities. Every now and then, we're going to have opportunities that are going to face us, but they're going to be gone. We don't get a second chance at them. We either take it or we miss it. The question is, what are you going to do? See, unsuccessful people sometimes will make bad trade-offs. Average people make a few trade-offs. Successful people make great trade-offs. I've made a lot of trade-offs in my life. I went from the Marine Corps. I went from high school into the Marine Corps. That was a huge thing. I could have gone to college. In the Marine Corps, I found out about bounty hunting and the bail bond business and launched my business. Early on through my own stupidity, as some of you guys know, and, and... and just life changed. We got out of that business. I went into mergers and acquisitions. I loved insurance. I'd been part-time in A.O. Williams. I had the opportunity to take over a $150 million life insurance company. I was stoked. But I made a trade-off. I wouldn't trade my family and the love of my wife, so I had to get out of that business, too. Left there and went into the hospitality field. 
doing well in my network marketing business by then. Was earning some really good high five figure months. Went partners with my father in law and started restaurants. Actually took over a restaurant. Traded from there. My wife said, Let's move. We went to Destin, Florida. Took my network marketing career full time. Worked my way up to become the executive vice president of a network marketing company in Destin. Left there and went on my own again. And then made a trade and said, you know what, I don't want to build in the field. I want to be a voice for network marketing. I want to share and rally the troops and show the good, the bad, the ugly, everything. But I want people to know it's the greatest opportunity in America today. And now in the last 48 hours, I've had two brand new opportunities face us for 2013 that although we would stay in the network marketing arena, could be a trade-off even more because it's a trade-up. Dennis Whateley said this, A sign of wisdom and maturity is when you come to terms with the realization that your decisions cause your reward or consequences. Are you responsible for your life and your ultimate success? It depends on the choices you make. As I was talking to a very successful businessman yesterday, a a man that happens to be an executive in an equity fund. All kinds of thoughts ran through my mind. Why do I deserve this? What kind of opportunity would this be? Would, it, would I be a mistake with my family? And then I was reading this chapter and I thought, you know what? The right question is, in my mind, hey God, how can this benefit my family? Is this the right move that you would want me to make? It's pretty cool. So you got to weigh out the pluses and the minuses. That's how it works. you got to look at where you're at and what you've got going. second thing you've got to do is trade off forces to make difficult personal changes. See, the difference of where we are and where we want to be is, to cre- is created by the changes we're willing to make in ourselves. If I'm not willing to make change, if I'm not willing to look at my family and see where they're at, what good is this? See, change is personal. To change your life, you need to change. Change is possible. Everybody can change. And change is profitable. You'll be rewarded with your change. It's not easy, but it can always be done. Holocaust survival, Viktor Frankl observed this, when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. Interesting, isn't it? But you've got to learn something about change. Change, just for the sake of change, will give a person a whiplash. Changing before you have, changing before you have to can lead to a big win, but it's difficult to do. Changing when you have to gives you the win. Changing after you have to leads to a loss, and refusing to change is death to your potential. What is it that you're looking for? See, that's interesting. The loss of a trade-off usually is felt long before the gain. It's tough. You'll hurt. When I, when I transitioned from being a network marketing distributor to the voice of network marketing, it was almost a year and a half before the income caught up with what we were doing. It was a rough, rough time. That was a real challenge for us, but it was worth it. See, this is the cool thing about this. 
Most trade-offs can be made at any time. The question is, do you see that you need to make the change? Carl Burroughs wrote this. This is a poem that he wrote. Though no one can go back and make a brand new start, my friend, anyone can start from now and make a brand new ending. I thought that was pretty powerful. A few trade-offs will only come around once. That's why I'm looking at this opportunities that I've, the, the two opportunities I've been given for next year. One of them we've already implemented. The other one we're, we're now praying and thinking about. This is the biggest for most people. The higher the climb, the tougher the trade-offs. John writes this, when we're at the bottom, we make trade-offs because of desperation. We're highly motivated to change. As we climb, we change because of inspiration. And at the highest levels, we don't have to, we don't have to anymore. We get comfortable, and as a result, we don't want to make the trade-offs. One of the dangers of success is that it can make a person unteachable. And many people are tempted to use their success as permission to discontinue their growth. Ooh, that's not good at all. Trade-offs never leave us the same. I have grown through every situation I've ever gone through. C.S. Lewis wrote a lot of books. One of them that he wrote was The Great Divorce. It's been said that he chose that title because faith requires a choice. If we truly examine it, we must decide which side of the line we want to live on, and the choice causes us to divorce ourselves from things that we once held on to. So either way we choose, we aren't the same after we make a choice. Some trade-offs are never worth the price. To me, having an affair for an easy, quick, satisfying moment of my own selfish lust isn't worth the trade-off of losing 25 years with my wife or the lack of trust with my kids. That's just one. Here's a good one that I think some of you can relate it to. It's about a couple of brothers. One of them was named Jacob. The other one was Esau. It's a great story. You can find it in the Bible. One day Jacob was cooking a stew and Esau had come in from the field and he was, man, he was just hungry. You know, he was out there, he'd been busting his butt. Now he's freaking wants something to eat. Esau said to Jacob, hey, give me some of that red stew, I'm starved. That's how he came to be called Edom, is red. Jacob said, mm, make me a trade, my stew for your rights to the first birthright. Esau said, I'm starving. What good's a birthright if I'm dead? I doubt if he's starving, because his mom, if you read, they, they didn't go hungry. Jacob said, first swear to me, and he did. That was back when people's words meant something. On oath, Esau traded away his rights as the firstborn. Jacob gave him the bread and the stew of lentils. He ate and he drank and he got up and left. And that's how Esau shrugged off the rights as the firstborn, and it could never be traded back fast, oh, we want it now mentality, instant gratification. You could lose it all. But some trade-offs are worth making. I want you to write this down. This is important. Number one, you've got to be willing to give up financial security today for potential tomorrow. Oh, Troy, I don't want to do that. That wouldn't be a good steward. Do you ever realize in the Bible, I'm going to use my, my faith again, the Bible says Jesus was the son of a carpenter. 
Didn't say the son of a bum. Didn't say the son of a homeless person. He came from royalty, and his father was known for his carpentry skills. Plus, he was hung out with a bunch of influential people. Jesus gave up the financial security of taking over the family business for the calling, for his potential of what he would do. Physician and writer George W. Crane wrote it this way, There is no future in any job. The future lies in the man who holds the job. Kevin Turner wrote, The only job security we have is our individual commitment to personal development. Kevin Turner's the COO of Microsoft. Am I willing to give up financial security today for potential tomorrow? Here's one, number two. I am willing to give up immediate gratification for personal growth. Opera singer Beverly Sills said, There are no shortcuts to any place worth going. Instant gratification and personal growth are incompatible. I found that out when I broke my foot. There are many, many times when I've given up the money for personal growth. Because I gave up the money for personal growth, I've become a thought influencer in an industry that worldwide generates over $150 billion in sales a year. Monthly, between our radio shows, our blog posts, our videos, comments, posts on social sites, we have the potential to influence somewhere between 4 and 5 million people around the globe just based on the connections that everyone has. Some of our videos have reached 150,000 views just on one episode. It wasn't ever about the money with me. It was about helping to change people's lives and how can I come alongside of them and help them do that. I used to think, hey, what can I do to serve others? And now it's what can I do to serve with others? It's pretty, pretty, pretty powerful when you start to think of it. It's also a huge responsibility. Number three, I am willing to give up the fast life for the good life. Man, I remember those days. See, when you write bail, you always have a lot of cash. I had a nice T-bird. I wore nice clothes, custom shirts. It was it was it was wonderful. For what? It's not It's not worth it. Now, I still live in a nice place, live on a beautiful island. My shirts, although they're not custom-made, they're very they're handmade. They, they come from a store called Buckle. They're very high-end, both my T-shirts and my shirts. I just love shirts. But I could go back to wearing Walmart T-shirts. It would be no big deal now. In their book, Repacking Your Bags, Richard Leader and David Shapiro offer a formula. Living in the place you belong, with the people that you love, doing the right work on purpose, is what they talk about. I love that formula. Albert Schweitzer writes, the great secret of success is to go through life as a man who never gets used, never gets used up. One thing I've learned from my days of writing bail, more than anything else, is that ultimate power can corrupt. 
See, when you're writing the kind of bail that we wrote, you have control over a lot of people's lives. The ego can become very big, and I learned my lesson. So how do you make it work now? How do you give up the fast life for the good life? Well, you delegate. So you're working smarter, not harder. Do what you do best and drop the rest. Get control of your calendar, otherwise other people will. Do what you love because it will give you energy. Work with people you like so your energy isn't depleted. Amen to that one. That's the name of the game. Number four, I am willing to give up security for significance. John writes it this way. I know many people whose goal in life is security, emotional security, physical security, financial security, but I don't think it's wise to measure progress according to security. I think it's wiser to measure it by significance, and that requires growth. You never get anywhere interesting by always doing the safe thing. Wow. See, a great man and woman of history, the great women and men of history, were not great because of what they earned or owned, but rather what they gave their lives to accomplish. That's a true statement. Number five. This is big. I love this one. I'm willing to give up addition for multiplication. Now, this is where networkers get it wrong a lot. This is where churches get it wrong a lot. This is where politicians get it wrong a lot. John writes it this way. I thought this was great. He said, I started my career as an achiever. I've always had a lot of energy. I get excited to do work I love, and I've never needed a lot of sleep. So I just jump into my job with both feet I was motivated to help people. My attitude in the beginning was, what can I do for others? But see, that's addition. What I began to learn in leadership, this is probably why I feel this way. My question learned, what can I do with others? That's multiplication. See, my goal now is, what can I do with others? I had a phone call yesterday afternoon after the show. A gentleman called me and he said, Troy, I'm going to be meeting with some people this week. And as as your client, I'd like your advice. I said, you got it, brother. What do you need? He shared with me what was going on. I listened. I said, you know what? I see your dilemma. And I gave him some suggestions. I said, now keep me posted on what's going on. I want to work with you on this. He said, I will. Because we know that if he can work this out, with some people that he's going to be talking to, this could be huge. Earlier last week, I got a call from a guy and said, Troy, I got this lame brain idea. I'm one of your clients, and I want to throw it past you. Tell me what you think. He shared it with me. I said, that's a lame brain idea. He goes, I know, but do you like it? I said, oh, you know what? It might just work. Tweaked it a little bit, made a phone call, set an appointment between him and another CEO. Yeah, really, I guess it's just an executive in the company, but for them to talk about something that would be just totally mind-blowing. Why? Because that's how the business works. Give up addition for multiplication. That's how we've got to do it to make it happen. See, your investment in others will have a multiplying effect, and you'll never regret the time you give. Now, that's not saying that there's not people out there that are more mixed up than you are, and they can suck the energy out of you. But when that happens, you just go on down the road. You just keep working. Guys, if you haven't bought this book, you really should, because in it is what you need to help yourself grow and get ready for 2013. That's the power of this. This is what I love. Tomorrow is the law of curiosity. Growth is stimulated by asking why. 
Hey, I also got to tell you, MLMHelpDesk.com, we are in the running as one of the top 50 blogs in the world for the network marketing arena. If you get a chance, we want you to go to Top50MLMBlogs.com. We'd love for you to vote for us. We have a powerful and fun time over there. It's a great, um, and, and it's I'm humbled by all the comments, all of the voting we've had so far. You know, you guys can go pick up more information on personal growth at the BeachsideCEO.com website. And you've been listening to us on the Home Business Radio Network, the voice in positive-powered radio. Stay dangerous, stay strong, and if you're in network marketing, act like it. Bye now. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.